Welcome back to another episode of the Exterminus Podcast, all things competitive in the world of Warhammer 40,000. My name's Eric, which means my co-host Robert. Hello. We had a very, a, uh, a conduits of the universe, I believe it's called, conversions of the universe. All three co-hosts of the show were in a tournament this weekend. And unbelievable. Yep. And what's even harder to believe, two of them were at the same place. <gasps> Yes, yes, we do. Yeah, contrary to popular belief, uh, Ray and I are actually too assumed that I am uh, actually using a voice changer to make Ray's voice. Nope, he actually he's a separate guy and has a much better voice than I do. So it's been. But uh, sure, <laughs> sure, sir. <laughs> but it was nice to get out and actually get some games in. I was originally uh, TOing, and one of the other guys who normally TOs as well uh, sent me a message the night before. I need to act. You need to act surprised tomorrow and bring an army. And it worked out uh, great because we had an odd number of players, so I would be I was going to be ringing anyway. So both of us got to play, and mm-hmm. uh, it was a good time. It was um, it's got some new faces. Uh, we had it on a different day. We had it on a Sunday, and it was nice to be at a smaller tournament as opposed to a uh, GT or a major. So yeah, yeah, it was. It's always nice to go to a little one day RTT and just know that's like. Yeah, okay, I'm here to roll dice for three games, go have lunch with some people and go have dinner with them after. You never know. Um, my my tournament was half the size of yours because there's only four people. So a little round robin thing for the local league here. And yeah, that was interesting because that was the first event I'd ever run for 40K. It's a good way to get started, but also remember it's a, so to our listeners, it's a playoff pod from our on the smaller side designed to be that way. Yep, and when I... Realize that, oh my god, there's a tournament I can go to at I.O. Yeah! Oh crap, there's a tournament I have to run on the other side of town. No! <laughs> uh, so, how did your, yeah, how many, how did your games go, and who'd you end up playing? And um, Well, I ended up happening to play into Sisters Round 1, because tell me how diverse this is, and just by happenstance, out of four people, we only had two armies. <laughs> the the meta for our store, I mean, it's the first time the store has participated in the league, so I didn't expect it to be super diverse. But when you have six people and they and there's only three armies across all six of them, that's kind of an oopsie daisies. <laughs> so I ended up playing against our ringer because someone couldn't show up for health or family reasons or something. That's their business, and I'm not going to talk about it. The So I ended up playing Sisters, who was the ringer. And then I ended up playing against Chaos Knights, my second game. And in the middle of the event, something happened to one of the other players and they had to leave mid-event. So the guy who won it got to play three games. I went two and one because I had him. It was a weird thing, but I effectively came in second. Well done. Uh, yeah, that was it was it was a mess. <laughs> it was just a mess. There's nothing else I can really say about it. But we all gotta learn somewhere, Absolutely. right? Yeah, our event we had uh ten players actually all together. And um like I said, nice to run a smaller event. It was funny, like little we had a little snafu in the beginning, uh getting everything everything ready and I had budgeted an hour for registration. A little overkill for ten people. So uh, setting up the tables for ten pe- for five, t- we were back on schedule within no time. So it was it was pretty funny, um, mm. but it was uh, so Ray actually brought here he brought Imperial Knights. Yes, he brought loyal Knights. Yeah. Uh, his first game was against Drukari, which he has a, a little of the experience. <laughs> 
Um, so the other guy thought he had his hipster list, and um, Ray was able to uh, take care of that one. 49-42, get his first win of the, of the day. So he was pretty happy with that. Mm-hmm. And then round two, he got sneezed yeah, on. Yeah, quite literally. literally. Uh, Don Husen, of course, uh, the legendary uh, Death Guard player, uh, showed him exactly why he is still a good player and wiped him 100 to 41. So <laughs> at least he's consistent yeah, scoring yeah. in the 40s. <laughs> uh, I mean, between you and Ray, you guys have what, maybe three months or four months worth of games experience <laughs> because of life and whatnot. Yeah, not as much as I'd like. Um, so that's definitely showing. I'll not get to my games in a second. Uh, all different, you know, definitely lack of experience showing, showing itself off. And it's frustrating. I, I'm not going to lie. Uh, for me, it's because it's, you know, I used to be good. You know, I'm kind of like what happened, but I was talking with a friend of mine about it. When was I at my peak? Uh, probably fifth edition, maybe parts of sixth. Mm-hmm. In fifth edition, we had three codexes a year, no balanced data slates, no FAQ. So, and only six missions. Yep. So you got a ton of practice. And then also at that time, I was playing about 20 games a month, uh, maybe even more. Uh, there there been some Fridays I'd get three, four games. So that was, uh, yeah, it's about right, 16, yeah, 20 games a month. So you're seeing every permutation pretty quickly. And um, there are also three fewer factions back. Speed up today, you've got nine missions. You've got constant update. Keeping you all up up to date with everything takes a lot more time. And right now I'm getting about six to eight games uh, a month. So um, considerably less. It shows. So Yeah. And Ray's last game, he actually broke 50 points. Yes, he did. And he played against... Um, it's Jojo that's local here. Yeah. And Jojo brought Gene Steeler Colt, which again, I've seen, I don't know what he plays anymore. I saw him play death guard. I saw him play something else. And now he's on Gene Steeler Colt. I don't think Jojo can make up his mind, but then again, I don't see him enough to ask him that question. Yeah. Actually, every time I've seen him, he's done Gene Steeler Colt. I know that's what he brought to Smite club open. And he was actually in the undefeated bracket, but there were only had three of them. So one of the three had to play somebody who was one and one. That lucky person was right. Uh, I thought it was an interesting matchup, though. You've got the big war machines with only a few and those scrappy rebellions, uh, rebellion working against them. But uh, I know Jojo had a big second round as well. So he was able to alpha strike somebody pretty hard and um, take the win on that game. So, so overall, looking at just the score with Jojo and Ray, Jojo <clears throat> clearly didn't do anything on the second turn, but then on the third turn, everything must have arrived and must have made its charges. Yeah, third turn? Because he, <laughs> yeah, because he, he killed at least five, yeah, he killed five armagers in one turn and he killed, wait, the fact that he killed two on his first turn that's already 14 points for bring it down so it's meh i mean that could possibly be one big night but either way still good to see ray finally get out there and play something i had no idea what he was going to play since apparently he has army add he's got it bad so. he really does it's just, i love you ray but good lord <laughs> i think he's played every army twice since i yeah i know for me, with the with the Chaos Knights slowly coming to fruition, I probably have maybe about three more colors before I put on the the dirty paint and seal their coats on all my war dogs, and then start working on my display board for LVO mm-hmm. before I move on to my turtles of Votan. <laughs> yes, they will. I have turtles. Tor- turtle shell backpacks and it's gonna be hilarious you know if you find the sh- the shields from uh saurus and men they would make well i have a little 
I have little silicone uh, resin caster things that I'm going to have someone help me out with because I'm not comfortable doing that. And we'll see how that goes. Plan. But anyway, how about you, so, sir? Yeah. So yeah, so the first thing was, oh, I'm playing. Okay, great. And um, so I took my tried and true list. I, I wanted to keep uh, just learning how it worked. Uh, didn't want to make changes. Want to get? I usually like to get a lot of games in with it. With it. And um, so round one was against uh, a somebody I pet for the first time. His name's Jamie playing Necrons. And this was a game of two halves. Um, Necrons, he, he, he stayed back. He was very well deployed. He was kind of shocked that I put as much as in reserve as I did. So he made sure every corner was covered and stayed in his deployment zone as much as he could, collecting uh, treasures of Aeons and ancient machineries. So once I was fully powered up to turn three, it was time to move out. So give you an idea, um, uh, he only scored 12 points on turns four and five, where I scored 31. But it was not enough to make up the difference, and he ended up winning the game 70. So, yeah, turn three, as you can see it. Actually, he outscored me 18 to 5, rounds one and two. So, and then it was just in that round three. And then from then on, it was just like, okay, I'm ready to take the board, but it wasn't enough. So, yeah, you would have needed to have some big swingy secondaries to pull that back from him because of the fact that the Necron secondaries score really well anyway. Yep. And there's two big mistakes I made. Number one, uh, I took behind behind enemy lines, and I usually do um, simply because my army's so fast and I want to get you know attack you from multiple angles. But I should have known this is an army that doesn't leave their deployment zone, so I'm never going to get into his deployment zone, especially via strategic and so mistake number one is I should have taken uh, Herd the Prey. So, okay, you're not moving into my deployment zone. I'm, or my half of the table, I'm collecting, coming closer to me where you get into assault range of all my nasty gribbly stuff. Uh, either do that or I, uh, and number two, I wrote it down. Like it's one of, I've done this before. I know which one I wanted, but I wrote down the wrong. Um, mm-hmm. I did this at Nova and it cost me a game. It cost me, uh, it cost me big actually. moved on to a higher gr- grouping. Um, I end up taking Take Them Alive, which is uh, one point for killing a unit and three points for killing a uh, character. I wanted to take the one where you get, uh, what's it, ten point, uh, point for every 10 wounds you... Yeah, no Yeah, that one. I think, and sure enough, I like wiped out three of his destroyers. He was able to resurrect two of them. I killed them again. So mm-hmm. right there, I would have gotten more points there. I, that was That alone, that exchange was worth three points right there. I was like, oh my god. So it was it kind of forced me to go character hunting towards the end, and that's kind of got me. Watch those secondary skids, big part of the game. Yep. And it's also my first time he newly made um, Hammer ITC Battle, so I like endorse it. Yes. And use your imagination as I hold up an amorphous object of a green square with a sword in it, like an X. <laughs> there we go. I thought you were holding up a green screen on a radio show. Yeah, it looks just like the ITC Battles app, except it has fancier swords on the front yes, of it. it does. <laughs> But it has a lot of great new features on it. Second game is against Thomas. I've got to play World Eaters. I have not played them since the White Dwarf update had come through. But I was pretty familiar with what they did from the old Corn Demonkin day. Um, I was a little afraid at first. and Because um, he had a lot of big nasty characters. And more importantly, he had two Helldrakes. And they got into my lines really quick. And my your guys are little. Especially when you shoot large flames at them. But um, he made a few mistakes. And... Um, and the biggest ones, he dropped the Helldrakes out of fly zone so anybody could charge them. So the uh, Blood Brides came in from the back edge of my uh, edge deployment nails and wiped out uh, some Helldrakes. And I used the terrain. He blocked him in a little bit. So he kind of came in, scurried in a little bit. And um, 
I was able to blunt most of his forward left, leaving with a land raider and a turn back. So I never understood why he was up. And also why he asked me, what would I do differently if I was playing him? I was like, flip him. Because the, the side of the table he came up with on the land raider was filled with terrain. And sure enough, he got stuck. He realized that the land raider wouldn't fit the minimum four inches apart. So I was like, whoops. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the, the space, the spatial awareness of things, like for instance, my last game, it, the Chaos Knights versus Chaos Knights game. I had specific. We had some of the old GW forests, so pre-slotted trees that were you could remove. Oh, okay. I specifically told everyone there that when you put down the forest, you are allowed to rearrange the trees into whatever fashion you want, but wherever they are is where they exist permanent. So I took that to what I thought was an advantage, and then it quickly turned into a disadvantage because my Knight Desecrator could walk into the forest perfectly fit between and try to make a charge into two war dogs that probably would have swung the game back in my favor um but he f <laughs> he failed his dread test and then he rolled a four which cut it in half down to a it's two so charge. i failed <laughs> to be honest i was also getting greedy because i was trying to charge a third one to go around a tree uh that desecrator stood in that forest for the last two turns as it chopped a war dog in half every turn cool. so the spacing does become a big issue with player place terrain and it being minimum like just outside of four because most night bases on the short width are four and a half so that's roughly about the same width of a war dog base which i think is like a big 100 millimeter base or something like that might be larger than that i don't know exactly but yeah F being just bigger than four inches means people can block you out from most places on the table if they're careful if they are careful about terrain placement so uh that gave me the win at 81.53 so i was like okay cool um didn't have to worry about a giant possessed bomb but i did get used to what chosen and terminators do so i was like okay learn something here and then although it was a totally different army i played uh travis in the third round and he was playing death watch and I, at this point, some of my TOing were starting to affect my play a little bit. I was answering questions regarding price support, um, coordinating a couple. I really, he handed me a paper copy, should have known better. And I kind of glanced at it and realized, okay, it's a bunch of kill teams. Uh, the more I picked up real quickly that he had a Phobos team, I think, whatever it's called. But anyway, blocks out uh, anybody coming up. So I was like, okay, that's going to be a problem. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, he set up and... Um, to make sure he would screen out my entire webway gate, which which was okay because I was like, I used it as bait because um, I was trying to, get, I knew I couldn't take his army, um, so I was trying to split it and just attack one whole side and, and kind of creep up the other side. The problem was, is the, the only units I was really looking at when he put his models on the table, I saw his aggressors, and I know those things pick up Drukari like magnets. They're just going to kill my army. Mm -hmm. So I played incredibly cautious about turn three, turn four when I was uh, power. I was kind of waiting for it, and I was going to make, okay, in two turns, I'm going to make up my time, kind of with the necro. You'd think I'd learn from this, but instead, no, this is not a shoot. This is an army filled with heavy hammers, thunder hammers, and power fit. And on top of it, he has a secondary where he collects points um, if nobody's, if I'm not. So it's just one of those, oh, well, now I know. Probably should have read this closer. And, um, would have gone about this a very different way and probably, um, I don't know if I would have won the game. I'm not going to say that because he did had a lot of hard, heavy hitting stuff that way. But um, uh, that was a loss there. Uh, 
losing 100 to 64 there. So, okay, I will next time. But uh, I'm just looking at Long Vigil. Yeah, he got max points on that. If I could denied him eight points there, that would have gotten him down. To- yeah, the other thing is that Death Watch is probably the least seen Space Marine faction in the collection. You think so? Yeah, like... Obviously, Imperial Fists aren't seen at tournaments like ever unless you're showing up for like, hey, guess what? I'm good at painting because my entire army is yellow yeah. and you didn't use contrast paints. At that point, you have the right to brag about your painting skills because yellow freaking sucks. But anyway, the between Imperial Fist and Death Watch, those are the two least common Space Marine factions from my experience because Raven Guard get really tricksy. And then from there, you get into Blood Angels, um, Iron Hand, Space Wolves, Salamanders, Dark Whoop-de-doo. And then Ultramarines are Ultramarines. Like, there's still more... I've seen more of them than I have of Death Watch or Imperial Fist. Okay. I kind of see a little bit more of Death Watch as we're going through this, but in, but to your point, yeah, there, there are plenty of Iron Hands. You know, definitely outnumber them quite a bit. It's a cool list. We've seen similar, and we've talked about this on previous episodes, a very similar type list. I just wasn't paying attention. And once again, I just screwed up and didn't take, you know, a secondary where I could collect points if he doesn't, because he never came across mid He waited because he was, and realistically, even if I had taken Herd the Prey, I had only get two points a turn versus his four points. So I was constantly, the only way I could, the good news is with that, it's called the Long Vigilant Tracker. He collects it on his, his command phase. So in my moving phase, I could have take, a, take some throwaway unit, get into his deployment zone, go, blah, go ahead. <laughs> You're going to have to kill it. <laughs> but as long as it's here at the start of your turn, too bad. <laughs> Just lost four points. So if I could have done that uh-huh. two or three times. That- yeah, that is definitely the hindsight is 2020 stuff. It's You th- saw a strategy that you could have done differently, and whether or not it would have worked, you're not really sure. But that's why we play the games. You learn a lot more from those, and uh, I had a good time. Looks like everybody else did as well. Other thing too, um, did a kind of look over, looks you over terrain wise, what to bring, and got a lot of good feedbacks. Re-energized the attack before you. Always kind of was always, what is the meta? What is the side? Did out feel a little more comfortable with it now. Uh, you know, just in time for tenth edition. And, <laughs> but hey, tenth edition will probably still have terrain keywords, and everyone's still going to be mad about it. You think so? At this point, I'm just like. I, f- I fall into the meme of what are the two things that wargamers hate, change, and what they currently have. I'm just curious. It's one of the things when you look at going way off on a tangent edition, terrain rule change wildly from edition to edition. So I am very concerned uh, what's going to happen. Yeah, I've only played two editions and they've roughly been the same because going to tournaments and whatnot. Okay, eighth edition, first floor is always line of sight blocking, whoop de doo. Okay, ninth edition. Guess what? This gigantic ruin that had no windows on the bottom floor, it now has the obscuring key. It does the same exact thing. Fifth and sixth edition, I remember tearing how the tearing out the the top floor if you had barrage weapon and then drop the template, anything under the template, doesn't matter what floor it's on. Uh there's all kinds of crazy rules about verticals adding them, I'm taking them out, putting them back in. That's why if you look at my being retrofit three different Yep, I'm hoping I don't have to do that very much. I'm already despising the fact that I didn't just glue my terrain from game mat together with wood glue are you a gamer that has more bare plastic than you have time to paint do paintbrushes spontaneously combust when you hold them if either of these is true contact white crow studios and get your models painted by a college trained professional painter you can contact Bo at whitecrow.commissions at gmail.com 
and view his previously painted models at White Crow Studios on Facebook. Is your beer keg boring? Does it not have enough tentacles coming out of it? Does it not taste as funny as you remember because you didn't put a tear in it? Well, the wonderful makers of the Necro Nom 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 to replace your average pizza decided to come out with a, another book of the Lovecraft Cock. So they're from reddukegames.com and it will guide you through 78 different kinds of cocktails to summon a demon, summon a space bug. Who knows? Either way, it's going to be a very, very wonderful time, and we would highly recommend that you try to not ingest too many while at the gaming table, because we don't know exactly what's going to happen when you roll Perils of the Warp or you roll a natural one on your persuasion check if you decide to play indeed. So if you're looking for fanciful drinks, go ahead and grab the Lovecraft Cocktails by the Mad Men at RedDukeGames.com, the makers of the Necro Nom Nom. Hey listeners, this is Raymond with the Extreme Honest Podcast here to talk to you about KR cases. If you're like me, and you're constantly looking for that better way to store your armies, then look no further than KR cases. That's right, this is the foam company known for their soft blue foam in the cardboard cases. They're a great way to mix and match whenever you're heading out for that next tournament just swap out those boxes and no need to worry about switching the foam in and out they're sturdy the boxes help protect your models and if you when you order they come fast the order is right and for a better price than the other guy so go to krcases.com and when you place your order be sure to mention the exterminators podcast so those are the small tournaments we both attended this past weekend. Let's talk about the big boys, some of the bigger events that are weekend. Uh, the first one has a bit of a turkey theme to it, the pecking order. Uh, Robert, what was our top five? Well, that was the bottom of the barrel is Patrick Cross with Chaos Knights. <laughs> Hard to say bottom of the barrel when you're talking about fifth place at a do-do-do-do-do-do 54-person event. So fourth place was then Jason Bird, suspicious, <laughs> with just... Um, with just a Nurgle faction, so must have been playing like Death Guard and Demons, I guess. And then we have Steven Trimble with Death Guard. We have Chuck Arnett with Zinch, and then Nicholas Olson Johnson with Necron. And I'm pretty sure this Necron list is about the same. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah, no, this thing is about the same, but this guy obviously paid the extra money to Battlescribe to leave notes and stuff because there's narrative bits all shoved into this list. Awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, Chronomancer, some Destroyers, lots of Scarabs, nine Tomb Blades instead of three. Okay. And then a big brick of Destroyers, um, a Technomancer, some Immortals, some more Destroyers, and then, yeah, the King. So, yeah, he has all of these notes that don't matter. Look at Jason Bird's list. He's actually playing Death Guard out of his faction. Oh. Yeah, Plague Marine, Plague Marine. So, a lot of Sneezy Marines, a yep. couple of Poxwalkers, a Putrefier, Terminators, a Blightspawn, Surgeon, Tallyman. Leviathan's towards the middle of the pack still. So, I was say, I don't know where the... Uh, uh, I mean, all the elites are characters, so it's kind of whatever. Uh, Playcaster and Typhus, yeah, there we go. So, I think I found the reason why he ended up getting listed as Nurgle. Because all the way at the bottom of his list, he has paid command point for a Chaos Demons patrol detachment. Oh. But it doesn't have anything listed in it. So, the entire Death Guard detachment 
is 1,645 points. The other 340, 355 is in this Nurgle detached with nothing, nothing there. there. I don't know if he just forgot models or if he was spending those for summoning points. Like, maybe his list was well, they just don't have summoning anymore. Was, yeah, yeah, so at that point, he no idea what was going on there. Anyway, hey, Jason, if you reach out to us. Yeah. All right. So, do you want to stay in the U.S. or do you want to hop all the way across the pond? Uh, I want to wait till the pond hopping to the last one because that's a big Yep, so then we are going to go all the way over to Georgia for the Battle Ray Wargaming Havoc 40k Major. This one was again, 54 people and top 5 was something like this. In 5th place, we actually have Philip Hall, affectionately known as the Glacial Geek, part of the woo! crew um from what i saw he was play he was taking creations of bile to this event specifically for his chaos space marines in fourth place we have Stephen crawley with tau in third place we have nick unzalatos nailed it that's a <laughs> yeah that that's a mouthful with necrons in second place we have andy Patton with black legion and in first place we have marcus johnson with sisters interesting sisters back on top and play rose bingo yeah but yeah hospitaler Repentia, Canis, Morbin, Basic, Bolter, Sisters, um, some filler Death Cult Assassins, Diagologus, Dogmata. Yep, there's 24 Repentia. Yeah. And then one, two units of nine Zephyrim, and then a unit of five. And then all the Retributors and a single Rhino. Take it. Yep, very much the normal Sisters list that we... To quick look at Mr. Crawley, Taulis is also the very typical large block of crisis suits, along with two Sunsark bombers, a total star, Anva. Yeah, Anva is a special character that they can take. I believe he's a... Space... Yeah, he's a, he's an ethereal or something yeah, like a, that, I think. Yeah, ethereal, has all these bodyguard, other shadows on him. Yeah. Yeah, he's pretty nasty. And um, mm-hmm. take a look at Phil's Black... Yeah, because I was looking... At, I just pulled up Andy's, and it's, um, it's Black Legion, so... Let's see, is he all the way at the bottom? Yep, Abaddon's all the way at the bottom. So that's automatically 300 points. So we have a Mark of Nurgle Demon Prince. I hate this thing so much. So much. Stupid relic. But anyway, then the Dark Apostle, the Disco Lord, 20 cultists, some basic Terminator brick, a unit of Rubik, hmm. and a total of 10 Raptors, and a single Rhino. Yeah. Just carries around one thing. And I don't think Phil's list will be too different from what I expect to see with the creations of Vile. Yeah, Disco Lord, Mess Position, Apostle, Cultists, Legionnaires. Oh, he brought both Terminators and Chosen. That sounds like the guy. Yeah. The, the Terminators were... Chaos Undivided. The Chosen were Mark of Corn, though. And then two five-man possessed units. A unit of Raptors, a Venom Crawler, and then Abaddon. So, congratulations to the top five people. Would love to have you back on the show again, Phil, if you if you catch this episode. See, make sure you're doing okay. So we're about to go to the next event, but uh, just setting the stage a little bit. Uh, one person of note who attended the event, uh, only played three games, uh, was Jack Harpster. That's right, that Jack Harpster from Art of War playing Custodic. Uh, was going went two on one, dropped his first game, uh, won this next two. Did not return for day two of this, but how that will affect standing. As uh, we go over to the Glasshammer GT and Mariel, the notable names in the top five there, uh, Robert. Well, there's only... One of those names that I remember off the top of my head in the top 10, but we're only covering the top five. So we have Adam Lynch in fifth place with Loyal Knights. We have Nathan Roberts with High Fleet Leviathan before nerfs happen. Fourth, we have Radford with Space Wolves. We have Josh Roberts in second with Chaos Space Marines. And then we have 
Mr. Vijay, first place with Chaos. That's right. Claim his top spot. We'll go over the IT end of the show. And I know most of you stay 85%, according to our Google metrics for the show. Yeah, a couple names of note. Uh, the, the Roberts brothers are back. Uh, they were the terror of uh, 40K back sixth. Uh, they were the England WTC team. So Josh and uh, Josh being the older brother. Surprised he kind of plays any list he wants. Nathan, not surprised. Both of them getting into the top five. No surprise there, but nice to see them back. Yeah. So looking over the rest of the roster, I don't see anyone else from the top 10 that attended this event. So I think this was Vic's event for him to run away with. I think so too. Yeah. No, no David Gaylard, no Manny Chima at this particular event. Especially uh, surprised about Manny because he's member team. Um, I'm assuming he had other things to do with lives, but uh very interesting to see how this all plays out. I should be surprised. It's going to mark a slanesh. Possessions in a Dark Apostle. Two units, three units, four units, four units of five Terminators, and two units of five Possessed. This will, a couple tweaks here and there, but uh, typical Josh list. Very... Yeah, uh, looking over Vic's list, it was also Emperor's Children with the same lots and lots of noise marines. So I think that's just how Emperor's Children... Emperor's Children go. Yeah, and that's one thing. Emperor's Children makes a little surprise with Josh uh, without. Yes. Yeah, when you look at Emperor's Children compared to Creations Bile, Creations Bile tends to bring more of the chunkier units, so that way they can last a little bit longer and get over there. Emperor's Children, I noise marines are like cannon fodder, as far as I understand. So I remember that. Also. Yeah, start to see Space Wolves this high up, and not only that is a a. Uh, successor chapter of space i know there's one really good successor chapter combination that almost everyone can take it's like whirlwind of rage and something else this one has born heroes and whirlwind of rage so maybe that's okay yeah i know there's one guy that i played once or twice down here that took it in iron hand and just did the the tech marine babysitting three dreadnoughts and it was still really scary so yeah. yeah this list is very heavy this one uh, in the HU slot, he's got uh, Captain on bike. He's got a Librarian on foot. Primaris Cat Chaplain on bike. Unit of Assault Intercessor of Blood Claws. And this is where the elites come in. One, five Wolf Guard units of Wolf, followed by Cyber Wolf and a Drop. Can't go home without your Devastator Drop Pod. List of the week. Um, in case you're wondering, the other Nathan, yeah, the other Roberts brother. It's funny because there's a big disciple. Um, uh, Josh brought, uh, excuse me, Nathan brought uh, Neurothrope, Neurothrope, Neurothrope for his three HQs. Troops, three units of ten. Uh, sorry, two units of ten gargoyles, termagants, uh, elites, two units of three zoanthropes, elector, and a malice parasite, a mortrex character. Three units, three biovores, and a single unit. Okay, so that is literally cover the psychic battery, the army. Oh, I forgot a unit of zoanthropes. <laughs> so three units of zoanthropes? Yeah, third one is a no force org. Some hero. Yeah, I think it has something to do with that kind of organization yeah. where you take one unit as non force org, I think, but. I don't know Jaren as well enough yet. Newer ones I'm still lacking on. Yeah, a little bit of, um, so heard you like the Psyker Immortal Wound? All of, yeah, I'd be so mad. I don't even have a Psyker. I'm just standing there watching him. Okay, you done? Great. So taking a quick look at the item. Yeah. So these are updated as of this weekend's activity. Your top 10 looks like this. In 10th place, Innes Wilson, still hanging on by his Scottish fingernails. In 10th place, a ninth shot. Uh, 8th place, Stephen Crawley. We just talked about him. Crawley with his towel. 7th place, Manny Chima, noticeably absent. Colin McDade in 6th place. Not a lot of big events here in the Knights. Uh, same thing for 5th place, uh, John Lennon. 4th place, Thomas Ogden. 3rd place, David Gaylord. Also the absent Glass Hammer event. But Vic Vijay was able to extend the 2nd place. He's now at points. But uh, still behind Jack Harpstar. Uh, holding down the number 1 slot. 
uh, he still holds a 42-point J for that top spot. So um, his action did not jack nearly that much at all. Yeah, because of the fact that it, the score that he got there probably didn't replace any of his old oh, scores. Yeah. So yeah, it, he probably stayed put. But it's definitely going to be a... A very tight race as we pull into the last three, no, the last two months, effective of of the LVO race. And yeah, I'm I'm still holding out a little bit of hope that uh, John Lennon will pull out the win of the ITC. But with the way it's looking, it could very well be anyone in the top five, given dice rolls go bad. Sounds good to me. Yeah, it's a lot to watch. I think um, about this breaking down, there's still a lot more larger events in England than there are here in the United States. So it's because a chance that uh, three guys from England could overtake Jack Harpster and or John the top spot. But I think at the end, because they've built up so many big scores, unless they're really smashing those particular events, they're only going to pick up a few, 20 or 30 points towards the end of the year replacing already high scores it's all going to come down to yeah that's the usual thing that we all see happen when it comes to tight races like this is the at that point you're irking out maybe two three four five points onto your score because of the fact that you need to score so high that you can't exactly replace your scores because dice variance happens and sometimes you can only score legitimate 85 points in a game to win when you would need to score 100 to possibly change your seating in the rankings. So that is your rankings for this particular week. Uh, more larger, the more uh, dynamic, what's the word I'm looking for, standings that we've been talking about. Not a whole lot has changed again from this uh, week. And I'll, I'll keep our eyes open as well. Uh, any day now, maybe, for the balanced data slate? Chirp, 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 chirp. I think those are some pretty big crickets over yeah, there. Yeah, and I haven't even heard rumors of point. I mean, the only thing we got for pretty much 40k related was uh, I, uh, the Rough Riders Master Militarum. Yep, it's going to be a close race to see if the Guard Codex comes out soon enough to not locked out of, of LVO, because we're also expecting the World Eaters Bird the world eaters book to come out and i had a i had a conversation with a, a store employee after my tournament and i actually hadn't realized that it was actually, it was a trend where a primark releases at the start of an and then a primark is released at the end of an edition and the primark that released the primark equivalent model that released at the start of the edition was the silent king Ooh. I didn't think of it that as a Primark, but it's a... So, now at the... This coming... Within the next few months, we're getting Demon Angron, and it's going to... That could potentially be the... the Hey, here's 10th edition. And hopefully, I, at, at that point, they do the treatment of... All the rules are effectively the same, because we just released books. Again, hoping for things that probably won't happen but we updated how terrain scoring and stuff works so that way it's not as nitty-gritty and stuff like that i guess it's i've learned to stop hoping for things so that way i don't get disappointed yeah i think i'm kind of in the same boat i was looking at um, my model collection i was getting my army ready and i was just reading how many call them proxies but conversions are put in my army at a kind of nice if these ever came out that uh, other armies could get a refresh don't see that happen now next year yeah it's there's a lot of stuff that needs to happen in order for things to not become stagnant because yeah the the addition is is fun still for most people because it's it's not as crunchy as any of the older editions that people have played it's still basically eighth edition just with different rules 
So people still have fun edition. The problem is that right now, some armies score too well, some armies don't score enough, and the armies that score too well are also overly efficient at killing everything that they look at. Like Necrons with their secondary revamp, the destroyers and stuff getting core could kill a whole could kill almost anything that they wanted, giving you pumped a couple of strats in there. And then the king is the king. Subwoofers deal flat six damage. So yeah, it, there's a lot of stuff that this edition did right. There's a lot of stuff there's a lot of stuff that it did wrong. But overall, I still have to say with my limited experience, I would prefer to play ninth edition over eighth edition, where an army like Custodes and an army like Necron can feasibly have play at any level because of the fact that there's generic secondaries that you can take your command points are different it's not how many detachments you can buy because otherwise custodes would literally fail every single game <laughs> but yeah it's there's a lot of stuff to ingest with like a end of edition wrap up and i'll stop rambling because that's what i'm doing <laughs> I think overall, probably, I see the blueprint. They finally figured out a way to do this. Is that I think one of the problems when Eighth Edition came out in Index, it was until you got your turn, you're playing the game on hard. And especially in Eighth Edition, Indexes did not have stratagems beyond the four. Now with the way Nephilim was set up, with those times, whether your codex is new or won't come out till three years later, like Guard is, we're going to give you updated secondaries because all the second that gives me a lot that it'll be a much more an after your codex yeah that is definitely something that i can agree with and i actually believe would make the edition easier to ingest is that when you when they release a mission pack they don't put the secondary mission inside of the codex but it's because they're match played secondary so and you only use them at grand tournament therefore they're only relevant for those tournaments if you're just playing a friendly game of 40k and you're just playing a mission out of the core book you don't even need to use those second so in in 10th edition if they do decide to put secondary in the in the mission packing you could almost subdivide the the secondaries for the grand tournament book compared to what you would use in non-grand tournament book game. But that would be extra pieces of paper, and that would cost extra money, therefore making codex more expensive. So I'm going to shut up now because I'm wrong. <laughs> I have another idea, but we'll save that for another show. Leave a little suspense for people to come back. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's, I think there's room for codex release as well as a competitive. I think they really hit on what should be in the rules packet and looking at some other game systems that uh, they've set up. That's the word I'm looking. The idea of cutting parts of codexes out to make them more balanced, that's great for match play, but not everybody does match play. And here's a way to do it. So keep the match people happy. And those guys who want, I want a full book, like I've always gotten. Yeah, the the entire thing of separating truly competitive play from the rest of the player base. Sure, it sounds like it's polarizing where you have your tournament goers and your non-tournament goers, and they're like two very different people. When they're really not, it's just, Oh, I want to actually take this game seriously, so I'm going to practice these missions, these secondaries, and all this stuff. Hey, Eric, you want to show up at the tournament at the store at like noon and not get done until like seven because we're going to stop and have lunch in the middle of it? Okay, then there's that kind of game. Too. And there was one of those games actually in the store while we were doing the tournament. You know, they were they actually had a Warhound Titan. It's kind of cool, but um, it's you know looking at that, there's different things. They're looking for different things. 
and I think mm-hmm. this latest um, boarding parties mission pack type thing or scenario pack kind of speaks to that where you want to do something cool like that everything you need is in this book but we're not going to bait you with an army of renown that could be the most broken play so you give us all the money for those yeah that would also be an interesting format to see where you have like how they do measure kill team as a competitive thing for the mm-hmm. itc at that point could conceivably see boarding action become something like that but then again that's a really niche market and don't want to even conceive of people accidentally getting rules mixed up between normal 40k and whatever boarding action rules change it's yeah one of my when not playing uh competitive one of my favorites was the the planet strike rules but that is definitely not one of those you roll up to your hobby stores as who wants to play a, a planet strike scenario you definitely need to build your army attacker defender and you need to have specific terrain for it but boy when you got it all set up God, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah not every army was even good at it. so no it was not a way to do a tournament at all but it was still a lot of fun to play so plenty more to speculate as we get closer to the new edition in the meantime we'll get you more competitive action as we still have quite a bit left uh finish rounding out the net so with that if um the balance day slate comes out uh, sometime this week until then my name's eric i'm and robert thank you for listening to the exterminatus podcast